Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, church, remember where we left off. Now, remember, I said Calvary verse by verse by verse, okay? Joseph, our boy Joseph, is the prime minister in Egypt, okay? That is a big to-do, okay? He is second in command, and there he is. But remember, um, he, he's been testing the faith and love of his brothers. You go, well, how so? Well, if you recall, there's a famine in the land, okay? There's a famine. Not only does it hit Egypt, which God gave uh, him the interpretation from Pharaoh, but it's it's all over the land, right? And 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 so what happens is Jacob goes, boys, 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 we're we don't we 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 don't have enough food. We 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 don't we can't live on on almonds and pistachios. We we got some we need some bread. So he sends them to Egypt to buy some corn to buy some grain. Okay. Well, what happens if you remember Joseph is in charge of the kingdom and they simply come to buy food? Well, Joseph, the Bible says, immediately recognizes his brothers. Of course. Right. A group of 10 boys come in. You kind of go, you know, I kind of know what they look like. Now, Joseph has been away from them for the last two decades. So he doesn't look like that anymore. And, and so what's happening is that 10 of them come in because Benjamin, his bro, his biological brother um, is home with dad, okay? Now, notice what it says, guys. Genesis 42 and 7 says this. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. But he acted as a stranger toward them, and he spoke roughly to them, the Bible says. Then he said to them, where do you come from? And they said, oh, we've come from a land of Canaan. We've just come to buy food. And so Joseph recognized his brothers, but they didn't recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them, and he said to them, you guys are spies. And he came to see the nakedness of the land. That's what Jacob says. Okay? Now, what Joseph needed to do, listen, is he needed to discover his brother's attitudes, guys, his attitudes and his in, their intentions. Okay? Like, what was what has transpired after all these years? Okay, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? If you've ever gone through a family reunion, you hadn't seen your cousin or somebody for a long, long time. What what have you become? What is what is your heart? And then what happens? It's so cool because all of a sudden you realize that they're believers and you're a believer, and you're like, "Hey, when did you get saved? I haven't seen you in 20 years." And so that's kind of what he's doing. What's what's going on? Because the last time I saw you, guess what? You threw me in a pit. I mean, I thought we were family, man, and you threw me in a pit. You then, if it wasn't bad enough, I thought you were just playing, right? I thought you because you pulled me out, and I'm like, okay, they're just playing. They're just kidding. No, they sold me into slavery. There's a band of Midianites going, and there I go. So I got to see your heart. But I also got to see my heart. Is my heart ready to forgive? See, guys, when it comes to forgiveness, that's the very hardest thing a Christian can do, although we're commanded to do it. Because it's hard to forgive somebody who's hurt you. It's hard to go, okay, I forgive. But what God wants us to do is he wants us to purpose to forgive. Have that attitude for forgive. Lord, where's my heart? Because if I understand how much you've forgiven me, I need to be willing to forgive. I need to be. And that's, that's what he wants to find out. So what does he do? He gives them a test, right? He gives them a test. And and so he says, okay, so he's he it's kind of the tough love test, guys, if you will. 
wants to find out their sincerity. And, and so he says, why are you here? You're spies. And they're like, no, my Lord. And I'm not going to get into it. But you understand that's the first test. Now, what happens, he gives them food and he keeps um, one of their sons. He keeps Simeon there as in prison. But what he does is, guys, he puts money in their bags and, and Simeon was still left there. Now, remember, it was a six-week round-trip journey. So three weeks to get there, three weeks back, there's enough food. So I don't understand this. But instead of all of them being slaves, Simeon's a slave. So they leave their brother Simeon there, right? And so you go, okay, so, so, so what's up? Well, here's what we learned. We learned that at least it was at least three weeks plus however much food they got. They didn't want to go back. But they knew they had a brother that was slave. Now, here's what they thought. If you were ever going to be, um, if you were going to be entering into slavery, Okay, if you were ever going to be a slave, it was pretty much a death sentence. You were not going to come out of it. And if you recall, when um, Joseph was in prison, he was in prison for two years. And what did he say? He said, "Listen, when you go before when you go before the king, remember me, because there was no way of him getting out." He was falsely accused. So in chapter 42, guys, we see that Joseph tested their sincerity. In chapter 43, he investigates or he's going to test their jealousy. You go, wait a minute. So 42 is their sincerity? Exactly. It's tough love. Let me see what you're, where you're at. In chapter 43, last week, he tests their jealousy. Why? 21 years before they had sold Joseph into slavery. And so he wants to see, what? Well, wait, have these guys changed? And now he wonders how they were acting toward his father. How are they acting? And how they were acting toward his father's favorite son, Benjamin. I got to see their hearts. I, I, I got to test this. And so last week we learned so much. We learned so much. And here's what we learned. That payback is natural, but pardon is supernatural. And so Joseph was about to investigate their jealousy. You go, why? Why? Because remember, 21 years earlier, although Joseph was young and naive, we'll give him that, okay, 17-year-old boy, walking around with a coat of many colors. Look what dad gave me. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. He was looking fly and feeling special. He's a little naive. Well, that just caused hatred. And, and so what happens is that, is that after his brothers had enough, they threw him into a pit to die. And so he wants to know, 20 years have gone by, 21 years have gone by. And Joseph still remembers. And so... With a heart of forgiveness, he proceeds to see what would happen if he treated Benjamin better than everyone else. See, this was a test of the heart. This was a test of the heart. In verse 33, he says, And he sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, to the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked and astonished one another. And he took the servings to them before him, and Benjamin's serving guys was five times as much as theirs. So they drank, and they were merry with him. So they come back. They bring Benjamin. That's what we talked about last week. Dad's like, no, 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 no. He's like, he's not having it. Then he realizes we're going to starve if Benjamin doesn't go. So Benjamin comes back. So he's going to test him. He says, hey, um, 
So when you give Benjamin his food, make sure he gets the filet mignon and let everybody else get an eight-ounce steak. Give him two baked potatoes with butter and sour cream and all the fixings. The rest will just get salad. That's not what the Bible says, but it says that he did give him, what does it say, guys? Five times more than any. So could you imagine? Could you imagine near Benjamin? You're the youngest. He hasn't seen old Benny since when? Since he was a little baby. And now all of a sudden, here comes the steward with the plate. Wow, this is yours, buddy. What? You look at your brothers and you're thinking, what? What? Makes you feel good, doesn't it? It's so awesome when God blesses you that way. Like when you get, like when you, like Joe, you know this, like when, 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 when that steak comes a little bit bigger than you had hoped. Yeah. I, yeah, God loves me. Look at this. And everybody else is just like, well, what do you know, Joe? Who do you know around here? What? You know, we, we just feel blessed. But, but Joseph's doing it on purpose. And he's doing it because he wants to, he wants to see. If I give Benjamin more, are they going to treat him the same way they treated me? If I, if I favor Benjamin, how are they going to react? See, I can see your heart. I think it's a good lesson for us, don't you, church? Because really, what's in our heart is how we're going to behave. And really, as believers, if we walk with the Lord Jesus each and every day, it should show in our behavior. Now, I'm not talking about the occasional you get upset or or somebody bugs you at the grocery store or whatever it might be, and you, oh, I was a little frustrated. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking overall, your behavior should show that and reflect that of Jesus Christ. That's really what it should be. And I think there are times when we have to step back and check our hearts and say, where am I with you, Lord? Where am I? Because that's not behavior unbecoming a, a citizen of heaven. And you know what I've come to find out in those times, church? Honestly, I've come to find out that those are the times that I've missed my quiet time. Those are the times when I haven't had my devotional. Those are the times that I'm not really listening to worship music. There's something about worship that just moves in your heart. And I'll tell you why. Because there was a time in this season last year that I really got depressed. It wasn't even before COVID. I felt really down, really depressed. I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't know why. But what I realized is what I was listening to was, was not really positive, encouraging, or uplifting. It was, it was kind of the stuff I used to listen to as a teenager. Well, you know what that does, right? It takes you back to the day. Oh, I remember when I was, oh, that was such a fun time. Was it really a fun time? What are you really remembering? But, but then I realized, man, some of the stuff that we listen to, guys, really either gets us down or it motivates us for the Lord. You know, when you're listening to something that says, man, bless the Lord, God's got you, he's got you in the palm of his hand, I am enough, right, when you hear that song? Ah, oh, yes. Yes, Lord, you do love me. You do. And so in our text tonight, guys, Joseph's going to give the brothers one final test. And it's the test of love. It's the test of love. Okay? Now, Joseph's brothers, they passed the first and the second test, but now they're, they're about to, this is it. This is the final exam. It's the test of love. Now you go, well, what do you mean by that? How much do they really love their younger brother and how much did they really love their father? Okay? And that's where we're going to pick it up tonight. So 
We left them having a great meal. Everybody with me? Benjamin is given five times more than any other brothers. Well, tonight, here's what we're going to see. If you're taking note and you're not afraid to write in your Bible, we're going to see that Judah is going to fulfill his promise. Why? Remember, he stood up last week and he said, I'll be a guarantee. I'll be surety. I'll make sure he's okay. Now, let me just, let me just show you. Remember earlier on, Reuben, the firstborn, was like, well, if Benjamin doesn't come back, just kill my kids. And he, it was just that fleshly kind of thing, you know, old Reuben. But Judah, Judah who we saw get his... His daughter-in-law pregnant, posing as a prostitute. It's now changed. He says, no, 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 listen, Dad, I'll, I'll, be, assured, I'll be the guarantee, I promise. And here's the deal, Dad. Listen, if we don't go, we're all going to starve anyway. But I'll be the guarantee. I'll be the guarantee. So we're going to see that tonight. We're going to see that tonight. So the, the conversation continues. Look at verse uh, 1, chapter 44, verse 1 and 2. And he commanded the steward, now there's Joseph, right? He commanded the steward of the house saying, fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack. Verse two, also put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest and his grain money. So he did according to the word that Joseph spoke. Okay, very, very interesting. Here's what I want you to see. Remember, because it jumped out at me, remember the word steward. Remember what steward, remember his job description, okay? The steward of the house, his job description was this, basically. Number one, he had no rights, okay? He had no rights. You were steward of the house, that's what you did. You had no rights. You couldn't sit there and go, hey, I'm union. I get a break. No, 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 you had no rights. You were up earlier, you went to bed before them, you served, Number two, guys, is that he had to be obedient. Whatever his master said, yes, sir. Number three, he had to be faithful. He had to be faithful. Number four, he had to be humble. Okay? The steward didn't walk around going, look at me. I'm Joseph Stewart. Look at me. Hey, I can do whatever. Hey, I'll just put in a good, you know, hey, brother, you need something? I'll put in a good word with Joe here, man. He had to be humble. He had to say, no, 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 no. No, no, no. He had to be kind, and he had to be patient. Now, here's what I want to do, guys, so we can get some good lessons to take home tonight. I, 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 want, I want to learn the lesson from the steward. You go, why? That's the first thing I want to pull out of our text. Why? Because Paul, the Apostle Paul, through the Word of God, teaches us that we should have the same qualities as believers. Okay? You go, why? Because he says this. He says this. This is how you and I should be towards God. You go, what's that? We should first and foremost have no rights. We have no rights. We're not going to stand before God and go, well, I deserve God in my, and this is what I, I'm the right, I have the right to do. We have no rights. Because the Bible says, Adam, when you gave your life to the Lord, you died. Okay? And the life you live, you live for Jesus now. So, so Adam, in all intents and purposes, doesn't exist. The life of Christ through Adam exists. Okay? No rights. He goes, what else? He says that we're called, guys, to be obedient to his word. Obedient to the word. Okay? So we have to stand upon the word of God. But in order for us to be obedient, we have to know the word. We have to know the word. We, we have to read it. Listen, we have to read it, but not only read the word, but we need to let the word 
read us so we can apply what we've learned. It's not enough for me to go, yeah, I read the Bible 18 times. I know people who have read the Bible that it hasn't changed them one bit. They read it. I've read the Bible cover to cover since I was 16. But you're still awful. You're still mean. That's not what it should do. Let the Bible read you so the changes could come. God's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Right? He's chipping away those things. And, and so we have to be obedient. Number two, we need to be called, we need, we need to be faithful to God. That's what a, that's what a Christian should be. Faithful to God. Listen, I'm going to serve you, God. I know the world is saying, there is no God. Run away. Now, we're going to be faithful to God. Can you see him? I can see him every day. How do you know God's exist? Take one big breath. Where do you think you got that from? We're called to be humble, church. We're called to be humble. The Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. And he says, we're called to be kind. We're called to be kind. Okay, let me ask this. As believers, we're called to be kind. Anybody have a problem with being kind sometimes? Anybody? Yeah. We do, don't we? Man. Be kind. Be kind. He says we also need to be patient with others. Sometimes we feel like we run out of patience. Now, here's the lesson I want us to grab, okay? This is what believers, but let's, let's hone in on obedience. Let's hone in on obedience. Why? Because the steward was obedient. It's all on obedience, okay? Listen, we could have seen an alternative answer to this, to, to this verse. You go, what do you mean? Well, I could have read something like this. Also put my cup, Joe says, uh, the silver cup in the mouth of the sack and the youngest and the grain money. And the steward could have said, but wait a minute. But, but hold on, Joe. Okay, uh, Joe, I've got a couple of questions I've got to ask. I know you told me to do this, but Joe, what do you think? What's going on? No, 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 listen, you understand that? That's how it could have eternally read. But what happens is that God calls us to obedience. And I want to, I want to talk about obedience to his word. That's what God has called us to do. Now, very quickly, let's talk obedience. Let me give you the definition real quick of obedience that the Bible talks about, okay? Obedience is the general concept of obedience both in Old and New Testament. It relates to the hearing of a higher authority and obeying, okay? So we have the Word of God. It's a higher... So first and foremost, you've got to believe that the Word of God is the Word of God or else you won't obey it. Right? Because in our minds, we start to question, well, how do I know God said? Well, how do I know that's really God? How do I know? How do I? No, no, no. We're not the steward. This is what it is. One of the Greek terms for obedience in the Bible conveys the idea of positioning oneself under someone by submitting to their authority and their command. Obedience. Thus, the Bible, the biblical obedience to God's words means here, Trust, submit, sender, or surrender to the word of God. That's what he's told us to do. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. Okay? Well, okay, Ben, I understand the biblical term, but let me do this. If you're taking note, let me give you five reasons that obedience is important to God. Okay? We'll move them quickly. Five reasons. Number one, because Jesus calls us to obey. He calls us to obey. That's important to God. 
Jesus said it. I believe it. I'm going to obey. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. The Bible says to obey your governing authorities. As long as they don't tell you you can't meet or praise the Lord. Well, guess what? We will obey our governing authorities until they cross the line and they say that we can't worship our God. Okay, if we can't have church, then we can't have communion. Communion is a sacrament. That's important to us. Okay, but we're going to be obedient to the word of God. Number two, guys, let me give you another reason. Number two, obedience is an act of worship. See, I think we get caught up in the fact that we think worship is coming and lifting our hands and singing songs. Did you worship it? I worshiped, I worshiped. No, obedience is an act of, of worship. You're worshiping God when you say, yes, Lord, I'm going to obey this. I'm going to obey this. And especially to the kids, guys, the world is telling you to run opposite of God. And your worship to God is saying, no, 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 I, I'm going to be obedient to him. That's, that's worship. And, and again, think about it. I, I desperately praying for our youth today. And what we need is we need some Daniels out there and we need some Josephs. We need some strong people saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to dare to be a Daniel and I'm going to do, I'm going to honor the Lord. Even though all my friends are doing the opposite. I'm going to honor the Lord. I'm praying for youth. We're praying for a revival in this, with this generation that kids are going to step up and go, no, 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 I'm going to take the mantle now. In this church, guys, we have, we have all the way from 70 years old, 80 years old, all the way down, I mean, to, I mean, you saw that. We have all of that stuff. So somebody in between has got to step up. And I mean, those of us that are getting older, we're, we're eventually going to, I've got, I've got to, we've got to pass it on to the younger guys. And those younger guys got to pass it on to the, and we need some kids to step up and say, look, as long as Jesus tarries, I'm going to take the word of God to the nations. Right? Obedience is an act of worship. Number three, obedience or God rewards obedience, guys. God's rewards obedience. This is the coolest thing to go, okay, Lord. And not that we do it for rewards, but God does reward that. He blesses us. He blesses us. Obedience, number four, to God proves our love. See, not only is it worship, but it's our love. You married folk in here, you know, right? You know. You say, I love you, honey. And you can say that all day long, but you know what she's looking for? Action. She's looking for you not only to say it, but to show it. Because it proves your love. We can't be the guy that goes, you know what? What do you mean I don't tell you I love you? I told you I love you when we got married 20 years ago. If anything would have changed, I would have told you. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, hey, listen. So how do we show, how do we show somebody we love them, right? How do we show them? We can tell them, baby, I love you. Oh, baby, I love you. How do we? It's, it's action. It's thinking, okay, what can I do to tell them that I love them? Maybe it's washing dishes. Maybe it's, it's doing clothes. Maybe it's picking up the house, whatever it might be. You might, be have, you might have an acts of service, and you go, man, I'm going to make sure that she has gas. I'm going to make sure that the car is washed. I'm going to make sure all of these things because I want to make sure that my wife knows I love her. 
Number five, obedience to God demonstrates faith. So not only do we have worship, but we have what? Love and faith and faith. So the steward does exactly what he says. And if a steward from Egypt can do exactly what Joseph says, I think through the power of the Holy Spirit, we could do what God says. Well, it goes on in verse 3. We don't have time a whole lot of time to spend there. It says this, uh, verse 3, As soon as the morning dawned, the men were sent away, and their donkeys, and when they had gone out of the city, they were not yet afar off, Joseph said to the steward, Get up, follow the men, and you overtake them, and say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? Is this not the one from which my Lord drinks, and with which he indeed practices divination? You have done evil in doing. So guess what? The steward gets up. He does exactly as he told. Joseph was about to take the next step of reconciliation, but he needed to know that his brothers had a changed heart. And so the steward gets up, verse 6, he overtook them, and he spoke to them these same words. And he said to them, quote, Why does my Lord say these words? Far be it from us that your servants should do such a thing. Now, here's what I want you to jot down. The brothers right here go, no, 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 we're innocent. We're innocent. I'm, I'm sorry. We were eating at your table. You gave us the blessed. Look at this. This stuff is good. We're innocent. Now, you and I, we know the backstory. We know these little boogers put Joseph in a hole. We know that they sold him into slavery. We know. We know all of this stuff. So we have that like, "Mm, wait a minute. They have no right. But what are we doing? We're judging them, aren't we? Yet we know through the text that they're innocent. They're innocent. Okay? Look at verse 8. Look, they say, we brought back to you from the land of Canaan the money which we found in the mouth of our sacks. How could we steal the silver or gold from my Lord's house? Now notice verse 9. Key. With whomever your servants found it, let him die. And we will also be our Lord's slaves. That's brutal. That's harsh. Their brothers, guys, were sure, sir, so sure of their innocence that they boldly, and may I add foolishly, declare, if you found the cup in anyone, feel free to kill him and the rest of us will be your slaves. Wow, can you imagine? Can you imagine? And maybe they're looking over at Jesse's sack going, I don't know, if you find it and somebody said you can... No, they're, they're saying we're innocent. We're innocent. Verse 10 says, And he said, Now, also, let it be according to your words. And by whom it is found shall be my slave, and you shall be blameless. I love this. Do you guys catch this? If you're a highlighter, highlight verse 10. Why? Because the servant, guys, doesn't accept the offer from the fellas. He goes, man, this is foolish, but let me tell you what I will do. He says, if you find the cup with one of y'all, that person's going to be my slave, and the rest of you can go free. Okay? I love the fact that he doesn't go, okay, okay. Now, if it hadn't been Joseph's test to the brothers and had it been a real scenario, I'm pretty sure that if one of the boys had stolen the cup, they would have died. But we know all of this is a test, and so the steward goes, oh, no, 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 here's the deal. Whoever I find it is going to be my slave, but y'all can go, whoever, whoever you can go. Okay? So he turns that around. Verse 11, each man speedily let down his sack to the ground and opened his sack. You guys with me? So they searched it and began to the oldest and left off with the youngest. And the cup was found where? Bum, 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 in Benjamin's sack. 
And they tore their clothes, and each wind loaded his donkey and returned to the city. This is one of those, like, no stinking way. What? Why? Now, there's a lot happening here that we need to break down, okay? We need to unpack, okay? You go, what's that? Number one, guys, the boys, maybe, maybe not, they didn't notice the fact that the steward actually searched the sacks starting from the firstborn Reuben all the way to the end. It didn't dawn on them. You know what I mean? And I could imagine, because if the popo was, was after me, I'd be like, boom, 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 boom. My heart's made like, I didn't do anything. What's wrong? But it was very interesting that he started with Reuben. And he went, and he went all the way down to Benjamin. And somebody would have went, well, how did you, how did you know this? Huh. Right? That's the first thing. How could anyone know the order of the 11 boys? That's the first thing I pulled out. The second thing, guys, is jot this down. Repentance. Repentance. Why? Because the Bible says in verse 13, they tore their clothes and each one loaded their... I mean, they tore their clothes. Guys, do you understand that the rendering of one's clothes is a symbol of remorse and grief? And it demonstrated that Jacob's sons were changing. They went, no. Guys, it was repentance. Although they didn't do anything wrong, they they realized. And I think repentance needs to be big with us. And I think it's something that, that pastors don't preach from the pulpit anymore. Is that we need to turn from our ways. We need to repent from our sins and say, look, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And the problem is, is that sometimes we don't know what that's all about, but we know that it's changed. We know something's changed. How can we, what is it? I don't know. Could you tell me what happened? I gave my life to the Lord, but I don't know what happened. I just know that I'm different. I'm just different. And, 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 well, do you want to go, do you want to go do that again? You want to go, you want to go have a good time in? Do you want, no, man, that's not me. That's not me. Yeah, but you used to be the life of the party. I know something's changed. I just don't feel it. Oh, you're one of those holy rollers, huh? You're one of those Jesus freaks now. I'm just telling you, I just, man, I just don't want to do that anymore. I'm tired of waking up drunk and hangover and all that stuff. I just, no. I'm tired of lying and stealing and cheating. And There's got to be repentance. Number three, here's what I want you to notice. The brothers confidently state that they do not have the cup. We do not have the cup. Now, here's what I want you to see. This shows that they have a healthy trust for each other. They weren't going, right, like I was, te- like I was teasing her. They weren't going, we don't have the cup, you know, pointing at one of their brothers. Like, I don't know about this dude, or, or, may- or maybe Adam has it, or maybe Joe has it. I don't know, but I don't have. They, they had a, now listen, grasp that, guys. They had a healthy trust for each other. And I thought, what about the body of Christ? What a lesson we can learn there. Right? Because when you hear that there's something going on in the body of Christ, what's our reaction? What's our reaction to that? Really? Oh. Yeah, you know what? That Rosa always struck me as being funny. I know. Yeah, I could believe that. No. You see, that's, how do we react, guys? How do we react? We go, no. That's my sister. And until I know that's her, no. No. I know Rosa loves Jesus. No. 
How should we react? Guys, the Lord calls us to one big dysfunctional family, but we're family nonetheless. You know what that means? We're family. All of our twerks and all of our weird stuff and all of our, all of, all, every, the way we come up, we're, we're family. So if I hear that one of my brothers is hurting, one of my brothers is, is, is off the track, one of my brothers is running in a different lane, that should get me to say, hey, you know what? I, I don't believe it, but if it is true, I'm, I need to go help him. I trust my brothers. It should also lead you to pray for your pastor. You don't know how many pastors leave the ministry each and every month because of what goes on. You need to pray for your pastor. Lord, protect him. Keep him safe. Keep him grounded in you. Lead him not into temptation, God. He's our brother. Because we have a tendency to try to, we, we have a tendency to put the pastors on pedestals like, oh, well, they'd never do that. He's in the Word of God every day. How, why would he do that? Because they're human and they make mistakes. And, and we, all, we all have a, a, a heavy heart when we hear a pastor fall in the ministry because he had an affair or he, he stole money or he, whatever it might be. Oh, man. What goes on, guys, moving quickly in verse 14. So Judah and his brothers came in Joseph's house, and he was still there, and they fell before him on the ground. Now, here's what I want you to know. Note, note that they were humble. They come in because something had changed in the boys, okay? And Joseph said to them, what deed is this that you have done? Do you not know that such a man as I can certainly practice divination. Now, again, you're going, wait, 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 I thought Joseph was Hebrew. Okay, so in the ancient cultures, guys, they practice something called, it's called hydromancy, and it involved trying to predict a future using the fluid inside of cup. He called it divination. Well, he's, divination, guys, is actually forbidden practiced in Israel, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 10. But the scripture never really tells us if Joe actually practiced divination. So our question would be, hmm, was this just part of his plan? Um, was this, he was just playing the part? Because he's trying to get them to understand. Why would you do this? Or was this just part of the test? Nonetheless, he says, don't you know? Now, here's the reaction. Verse 16. Then Judah said, what shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Here we are, my Lord's slaves, both we and also with whom the cup was found. You guys are thieves. You guys stole the cup. What would your reaction be? Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, let me give you, and, and, and here's what I love, guys. Here's what I love. I love the fact, guys, you ready? Jot this down. Judah doesn't give any excuses. He doesn't say, well, you know, well, that's because 
well, I don't understand. Well, wait a minute. You, 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 I'm, I'm falsely accused. I don't, well, that wasn't in there. He doesn't give any excuses, guys. He doesn't try to talk his way out of it. Here's what I want you to see. Judah takes responsibility. Brother, that's the hardest thing to do. When you're wrong, is to step up and go, I'm wrong. I blew it. I take responsibility. I messed up. Well, you know what the consequences are, right? Whatever they are, I'll accept them, but I am wrong. I'm wrong. I remember the first time when somebody very close to me asked me to lie. It wasn't a big lie. It was just to get a discount on a hotel room. And they told them, you'll get a kick out of this. They he told me to say that I was in the military. And I would have got a 15% discount. And so I was like, no, I don't want to. I was a Christian. And he's like, go tell them you're in the military. You'll get a discount. So I went up sheepishly and I said, well, I, I'm, I'm in the military. And the guy said, oh, yeah, well, let me see your ID. And I'm like, um, I left it. You know the lies, right? The lies get bigger and bigger. And he's like, well, sir, I can't give you. I, I can't. I mean, I felt so bad. And I felt this little that I went to him and I had to actually confess and said, I am so sorry. I'm a Christian. Will you please forgive me? I bold-faced lied to you. I'm not in the military. That story is so real because I remember how I felt. I have to take responsibility. I lied. I'm this, no. For 15%? May we not defame the name of our God for 15%. Let's take responsibility. That's what I love that Judah does. I love that. You know what he says? Oh, my Lord. What can we say? How can we explain this? How can we prove our innocence? And then he says, you know what? God is punishing us for our sins. My Lord. We have all returned as your slaves. I believe this is an opportunity for growth, don't you? And you go, how so? Because I thought, well, how many times do we make excuses? How many times do we blame somebody else? How many times do we go, well, you know, it's the coworker over there. If they, if they would do their work, then my work would be done. How many of you just, I just, I just wonder. But here's the one thing. Here's the one thing. Notice what he says. He says, God is punishing us for our sins. In Numbers 32, 23, it'll come up on the screen. But notice what he says. He says, if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. And so, again, that's always that one where it's like, man, yeah. You know what? You think you're going to get away with it, but your sin will find you out. Why? The dude asked me for an ID. I was busted right there. Can't be trusted right there. I was like, yeah, numbers, numbers, your sin will find you out. Now, listen, you may be watching online, and, and this, is, this is an admonition, okay? Sometimes when we're in sin and we're not busted yet, it doesn't mean that God's not watching and he's not giving you an opportunity to repent. Well, listen, I've been having an affair for for four years and I haven't got busted yet. (laughs) Listen, your sin will find you out. 
God, just because he's not busting you right now, I'm telling you, trust me, doesn't mean that's not going to happen. Because, guys, how do we think? We think in human, don't we? We think, man, I put one over on God, don't I? I put one over on God. He lets me do this. and No, no, it's his mercy and it's his grace that's allowing you. And he's saying, please. And he's saying, please don't do that. Why? Because you're going to go down a road that's destruction and it's going to be messy. And Well, I want to draw your attention, guys, to verse 17b. Because Judah says, far be it from me that I should do so. So the man whose hand the cup was found, he shall be my slave. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. Okay? You go, why do you draw my, my, me in that verse? Well, because do you see what Joseph did here? He gave them one final test by offering to release all but Benjamin. He's like, hey, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And Judah, what does he do? He comes clean. Check it out, verse 18. And Judah came near to him and said, Oh, my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's hearing and do not let your anger burn against your servant. For you are even like Pharaoh. In other words, he says, Please, my Lord, just say the word. Just say one word. Please don't be angry with even because you're as powerful as Pharaoh himself. Verse 19. The Lord said to his servant, saying, Now, he's just going to give him a recap, so let's just read it. You have a father and a brother. This is what you said. And he said, we have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age who is young. His brother is dead, and he alone is left with his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him. And we said to my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father, for if he could leave his father, his father would die. If he should leave his father, his father would die. But you said to your servants, unless your younger brother comes down with you, you shall see my face no more. So it was when we went up to your servant, my father, that we told him the words of my Lord. And the father said, go back and buy us a little food. But we said, we cannot go down, for our youngest brother is with us, then he will go down for we may not see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant said, Then your servant, my father, said to us, You know, my wife bore me two sons, and one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn to pieces. Who is he speaking about? Joseph. I have not seen him since. But if you take this one from me, the calamity befalls him. You shall bring down my gray hair with you to sorrow to the grave. What's he saying? He's going, man, this is not. I'm just telling you everything that went down. This is what we said when we went home. So Judah recaps the story. But hold on, because Judah, who previously was very fleshly, he's changing. And here's what we call it. It's called transformation. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to see. When you give your life to the Lord, there's a transformation that takes place. Yes, immediately... In the spirit realm, guys, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You you are going to be blessed. You're going to be in heaven. But the transformation takes place when it's called progressive sanctification. And so progressive sanctification means you're going to be like Jesus more and more each and every day. But it's not a sprint. It's every day a little bit more like Jesus. Every day a little bit more. Sometimes we feel like, I gave my life to the Lord. And we, and we want to try to do everything. No, 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 no. It's, okay, let's take one day at a time. And I want to be more, a little bit more like, and then, because what God does is if he were to reveal all of that stuff to you, 
everything, you'd be like, oh, I'm overwhelmed. I, I, I can't be a Christian. But he'll reveal a little bit to you, just a little bit. You guys know, how long you've been walking with Jesus? You've been walking with Jesus a long time. You go, man, some of the stuff that I used, that I used to think back 20 years ago, I'm so ashamed because I don't think that way anymore. It's progressive sanctification. You're becoming more like Jesus each and every day. And the beauty is I can't wait till tomorrow. Why? Because I become more like Jesus every day and the next day and the next day. But don't rush it. Take it, progressive sanctification. But transformation is happening. Why? Because look at verse 30. He says, now, therefore... When I come to your servant, my father said, the lad is not with us since his life is bound up in the lad's life. It will happen when he sees the lad is not with us that he will die. So your servants will bring down the gray hair of your servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. Now, here's what I want you to see, guys. If you're taking note, Judah is not thinking of himself. He's got his father's heart in mind. He's going, listen, if we go home, dad's going to die. If we go home without Benjamin, dad's going to, I mean, he'll literally die. He's not just saying that. He's going to die. And listen, I can't let that happen. And I love this because we've studied Judah, but I love that. Why? Well, and I think it's some great application for us, don't you? Because it was the Apostle Paul who told us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each others what esteem others better than himself. Guys, we need to be thinking of others. That's what Paul says. Paul says transformation happens when you stop being selfish and you start being others-oriented. How can I bless my brother? How can I bless my sister? How can I do this? How can I do this? This is what Judah's doing. He's going, no, sir, please, you don't understand. And I'm, just, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just trying to get out of being your slave. I'm telling you, if we go without Benjamin, I'd rather not go at all. I'd rather not go at all. Think about this week. Think about your week so far. It's Wednesday night. Think about your week. Think about how we could be others-oriented today. I wonder what we could do to be thinking of others. That we esteem others higher than ourselves. Might be buying somebody a meal. It might it might be paying for somebody's gas, a, a single mom, I don't know. What could we do, Lord? Because you'll tell us for us. But we want to be others-oriented. That's what we want to be. Well, in verse 32, it says, Your servant became what? Notice what he says. A surety, a guarantee for the lad to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father forever. Okay? Let me just let me just jog your memory. In Genesis 37, 31 through 33, it was Judah that was like, I got an idea. Let's sell him to the Midianites. We'll make money. Why should he die in the pit? Something's changed. Now he's saying, no, no, no. See, sir, you don't understand. I've become a guarantee for him. If I don't bring him back, 
to you, I told my dad, then I'll bear the blame forever. Verse 33, now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad as a slave for my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go to my father if the lad is not with me, lest perhaps I see the evil that would come upon my father? Guys, do you see it? Now, we're going to, let's close with this, but listen what he's saying. This, my friends, is a changed heart. This is true transformation. Why? Because Judah right here is laying down his life for Benjamin and his father. He's saying, listen, let me switch. I'll stay and be your slave because there's no way that my heart can handle the fact that if, if, if I go home without Benjamin, that I see my dad live. I, I, I just can't do it. Let me, you guys ready? It's the great exchange. Let me exchange my life for his. Then you're going, dude, seriously? Yeah. I think of others in the Bible that were willing to lay down their lives for the sake of others. Do you guys remember Moses? Moses did that. Moses said to blot his name out of the Lamb's Book of Life so that the Israelites could be saved. Paul said that he would take his name off the Lamb's Book of Life if his countrymen could be saved. The problem is, is both Judah, Moses, and Paul, they can't atone for sins. There's only one. The great exchange, listen to me carefully, the great exchange is the man called Jesus who came down from heaven. Now, think about what this is. Think about this, guys. Let it feel the, feel the weight of this. God the Father looked around heaven and he said, I'm going to bankrupt heaven so that y'all can be saved by sending his son on earth. And all he tells us to do is believe in him. He says, listen, you know why your life is a mess? Because you don't believe in him. You know why your behavior is crazy? You don't believe. Put your faith and trust in him and let him do the work. And so Jesus, guys, 2,000 years came down. He was born of a virgin. He grew up. He astonished the Pharisees in the temple. He walked. He called his disciples He healed people. He taught them the way. And when it was time, he said, listen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so Jesus Christ, guys, the great exchange was he exchanged his life for ours. We learned this on Sunday, right, that he became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness. What does that mean? That means when God looks at you, Beverly, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus. And the righteousness that Jesus has is, 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 is in you. And Beverly goes, no, you don't understand, Pastor. I can be mean. I can be, I, yeah, I, I'm a sinner. And, and God goes, I know. But because you've accepted Jesus, I see Jesus. When he looks at you, Rosa, he sees Jesus. What a great exchange. So we tell the world, hey, hey, 
Where are you in the world? Do you want your sins forgiven? Do you want to really follow a God that loves you? Do you love the pattern in your life or do you want to change? And they go, eh, I don't know if I believe in this God thing or anything, man. I don't know. I'm good. And we're, and we're pleading, Paul says, we're pleading that people would get saved. Why, Joe? Because there's one thing better than going to heaven. Taking somebody with you. Right? You know what I love about this story? Is that the Messiah, Jesus, actually came from the lineage of the tribe of Judah. thought, wow. That's so cool. So, where are we? You go, Pastor, what do you mean? Hey, man, I've presented the gospel. Jesus Christ died for you. He has a plan for you. He wants you to repent. He's got a great, he's ready for you. But you need to open up your heart. You need to invite him inside. And so I never want to leave, guys, our study without giving you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. You go, what? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter for five or 5,000 or 500,000. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you, and here's what's going on in your heart right now. You're going, Pastor, you know what? That was an amazing Bible study. I was tracking with you all the way, and you know what? You were saying some things, and then I realized, I realized that I don't have a relationship with God like you were talking about. You kept saying that Christian and believer should do this, and I'm going, I don't know if I have that. Re- Pastor, I don't even know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm saved, but you know what? Pastor, if I'm honest with you, I feel like I'm a, I'm a thousand miles, a million miles away from God right now. I feel so far away. My friend invited me to church. I thought I would come. And uh, man, and, and if I can be really honest with you, Pastor, I feel like God's mad at me because I, I haven't done anything right. Let me say this to you, man. God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And today he's opening up his arms and he's saying, please come home. And here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to take your life. He wants to save you. And then he wants you to grow. He wants you to grow so much. He wants you to be strong in the faith. You're going to need it for the world that you live in. But you've got to be saved first. Those of you watching online, you've got to be saved. Jesus Christ sent his son for you. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Maybe God is speaking to you now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. We thank you for your love for us. Father, I'm not sure who's watching online. I don't know who's listening via podcast, but you do. I don't know who's in the sanctuary tonight, but maybe, Lord, by the, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you're still saving folks. And maybe somebody's here tonight that, that feels like, man, I feel like I'm a million miles from you, Lord. Help them to see that they're not a million miles, that one decision from coming back to you. And that, Lord, if they'll open up their heart tonight and invite you inside, God, that you'll write their name in the Lamb's Book of Life and they'll be saved eternally. And their destination, their new home would be heaven. With every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor Ben, I think you were talking to me. I think you were talking to me and I don't, I don't have a relationship with God, but you know what, Pastor? I want one. I want, to, I, want to rep- I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I know you were talking to me. If, you, if, you, if that's you, God's speaking to your heart, would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray, I, I, want to say, I, want, I want to give my life to God. I want to give my life to God. I, 
Just lift it nice and high so I can see it. God bless you. God bless you, sister. God bless you back there. Anyone else? Anyone else saying, I, 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 I'm surrendering my life? Any of you watching me, just, just lift I can't see you, but lift up your hand and say yes to Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, here, just pray this prayer with me. Mean it with all of your heart, okay? Mean it with all of your heart. This is between you and God. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent. I believe in you. I believe that my father bankrupted heaven for me, and it's personal. I believe he saved me. I know he died for me. I know that he resurrected on the third day, and I know that if I were to die tonight, I'm going to go to heaven because of Jesus. I believe it with all of my heart. But I need some help, Lord. I need some help. I'm a sinner. And so I'm asking you, Lord, come into my heart and be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.